You are now listening to Glowing Older, the podcast that goes deep with the experts shaping senior living. Brought to you by Connected Living, the leading senior living communication platform, offering user-friendly mobile apps, smart home tech, digital signage, and Timmy robots, and Link Home Therapy, the leading provider of physical, occupational, and speech therapy in senior living, delivering turnkey person-centered services to increase census and resident satisfaction. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm pleased to be here today with Sarah Zeff Geber, PhD, author of Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers and fellow at Nexus Insights. Welcome to the program, Sarah. Thank you, Nancy. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you. Let's get started by having you tell us about your background, which is not traditional in senior living. Right. I only came to senior living about 10 years ago um, after a career in organizational development where I found myself coaching a lot of executives uh, who were baby boomers and wanted to talk more about their retirement than about their uh, plans for their companies. So I, I sort of sensed a, um, a shift in the air and uh, got involved in doing retirement coaching for people, anyone who was coming out of a, a traditional job and needed to kind of change their life in order to succeed at retirement. And after doing that for a few years, I got interested in solo aging. And that happened because I looked around me and all of a sudden at the ages of late 50, early 60s, kind of leading edge baby boomers at the time, I saw a number of people, a tremendous number of people flying back and forth across the country, spending full weekends taking care of their aging parents, doing their shopping, picking up their prescriptions, getting them moved into more appropriate housing. Um, They were just, it it was just amazing how many people I saw doing that. And it didn't happen to involve me because my parents had died when I was much younger. But I thought to myself, my husband and I don't have kids, who's going to do that for us? And that's what made me start to take a look at what was going on with people that didn't have children, what the, um, what the incidence of that was among the boomers. And that kind of launched me on my quest to get involved with solo aging. And you um, obviously wrote the book on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Tell us some of the stats about solo aging and its impact on senior living. Sure. Well, when I looked into it, I found some uh, Pew Research work that had been done on the on the uh, most recent census, which at that time was the 2010 census. And at 2010, the last of the baby boomers were were kind of passing through the the end of childbearing years. So the stats on that looked pretty authentic. And what that revealed is that almost 20% of baby boomer women did not give birth. So that's a pretty daunting statistic. It's almost twice what it has been in previous generations. The incidence of, of childlessness among women 
has for generations, uh, for millennia probably, been about 10%. That's really the rate of infertility. So to have it almost double was quite astonishing. And if you look at why that happened with the baby boomers, it's, it's pretty obvious. Taking a look back at the late 60s and early 70s, we see all kinds of things happening in the world that really changed the lives of boomers, especially boomer women. They had the pill. They were the first generation to actually have the pill from the time they, they entered childbearing years. And they also had much more opportunity out in the world of work and going to get advanced degrees. The doors of colleges and universities were springing wide for women in all sorts of fields. So that really changed the world for, for women uh, and hence changed the world for men as well. We also can see that in that generation, again, the baby boomers, we have about 12% fewer people actually living with a spouse at this point in their lives and 36% fewer children among them. So it, it's very, very different from previous generations. In addition to that, we've got almost 40% of widowed, divorced, separated, or never married men and women. And looking at the one-person households in the country, we've got almost, oh, well, 17% um, are right at this point are, are one-person households. That's 22 million people plus. So a lot of very, very different statistics from those that our parents could, could show at this point in their lives. Yes, and, and the research and pretty much the party line uh, in senior living is that the, the baby boomers will absolutely reject the current product. Uh, so <laughs> what kind of um, senior living trends are you seeing that will appeal to boomers and solo agers? You know, it's, it's an interesting question because I think the, it's the question of the hour, isn't it? Everybody's asking that. All the senior living experts are saying, what are the baby boomers going to buy? What are they going to want? And I think one of the trends that, that I'm seeing that I think is going to have an impact, it, it may not be having an impact, the impact we'd like just yet, but I think it's going to, is the active adult sector of senior of actually becoming a part of the senior living kind of continuum of care. The reason for that, I think, is because boomers just don't want to accept the fact that they're going to be frail one day. So living in a 55 plus community is more appealing right now than a CCRC or a life plan community. However, I think 10 years is going to make a huge difference. The leading edge of the baby boomers are now in their very early 70s. And in 10 years, they're going to start experiencing that diminishment of uh, capacity a lot more than they are today. But I think this kind of merging of the active adult sector into the whole continuum, I think is going to make a difference. Yeah. There's, there's also the appeal of... Um, senior communities that have a theme of some sort. And I, I wrote about this pretty recently in a, in a blog post that I made. It, it, this, the whole idea of continuous learning, leading um, like a Zen-inspired life uh, or, or designing a life around community service, these can all be 
promoted and um, uh, and assisted in a senior living community. And as when senior living operators and developers become really keen on on segmenting the population into their various interests, I also think that will have an effect on the uh, the interests that people will show in senior living. And you are a big proponent of uh, design as being uh, paramount in attracting uh, the boomer and solo ager. So tell us a little bit about how um, senior housing design can better cater. I think that solo agers are going to be looking for a more clustered living environment. Um, we have had the advantage of living in suburbs. I think the majority of baby boomers have probably grown up and, and lived in suburbs, and those that raised kids raised them in suburbs. And I think they like a, a neighborhood feel to wherever they live. I, I just don't think these, these high-rise concepts are going to be very appealing to people that have had more, um, more space around them. So I like the idea of communities that build in a sort of a, a clustered neighborhood feel. I, there's a community in Pennsylvania that has done such a good job of that. It's called Garden Spot. And they've done a number of innovative things. They're in the uh, kind of the Amish country of Pennsylvania. And they have built their community with little pods of, of, of cottages so that you really have a, a feeling of being in a neighborhood. And I think that is, is going to be pretty appealing. I, I understand the, the drawbacks to that. I mean, I... I'm here in, in uh, Northern California myself, and the land is very expensive. And I understand that it's, it's hard for developers to make it economically feasible to do anything but build up. Um, but I think we're going to have to, they're going to have to find a way to do that. And it, it makes sense. Uh, you, you talk a lot about community that, that the solo agers are going to need to create community. So how can the senior living communities create community? Well, in, in many of the ways I mentioned with regard to structure, um, but also communities develop out of common interests. And the more a senior living community supports those interests, the more successful I believe it'll be. Uh, the common interests are, are often very tied to community service. Um, when you think about a food co-op or a soup kitchen, uh, ties to child care centers so that people can continue to give back in the way that's so important to them, which, of course, we're all we're talking about adding meaning and purpose to lives and uh, meaning and purposes in life is important throughout life until the day we die. Uh, but there, there are also getting back to common interests. Um, people have intellectual interests, opportunities to take or even teach classes, writing groups, book clubs, lots of senior living. I'm gratified to see lots of senior living communities now being built close to universities. I think that's a, a big plus. And then other people have interests like gardening. Um, I see... I see communities today making a token investment in this, but I think it's going to take more than that for boomers. I think it's going to take communities being built 
actually adjacent to a farm that people can get involved in in working the earth, as many people have done all their lives. And I'm not talking about people who have had careers as farmers. I'm talking about backyard farmers. I mean, I, don't, I look forward every spring to planting my garden. And um, very honestly, when I think about moving into senior living, I can't imagine moving into a place where I couldn't continue to have a little patch of dirt that I could have a garden. So different people are interested in different things. And I think that pursuing the focus on common interests and supporting those common interests is going to be quite important. Well, that's a great segue into my next question, because you you talk a lot about design and new models, and we all uh, are looking towards the future of what will happen. But if I'm an executive director of a senior living community today, and I'm unable to make significant design changes due to the structure of my property and finances and all that. Are there any simple steps that can be taken to better serve the solo ager in an existing community? Probably so. Uh, I think that it's, again, needs to be a focus on common interests and community and smaller little sub-communities within a community. And maybe it occurs floor by floor. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think there are people probably out there probably smarter than me that are going to be able to figure this out, but figure it out we must, because even in places like California, where it seems people seem intent on building up because of the cost of land, taking any available piece of property and turning it into um, a park-like setting. I see this happening. I see rooftop parks being constructed taking advantage of the real estate that would often go to waste on any particular property. So um, I think we have to pursue these avenues of supporting common interests and supporting smaller communities in any way we can. And I, I'm not sure, I'm certainly not the expert on how that happens in a high rise, but happen it must. Yeah, and it seems like getting the participation um, and giving back of the residents would be a, a big part of it, too, and, and not just serving them, but letting them serve. Oh, you are so right, Nancy. You've brought up a really good point. Uh, residents want to have a hand in what happens in their communities. So we've, I think most communities today, most senior living communities have something called a resident council or something similar. But I think people are going to want to get more involved than that. A good model might be co-housing, which is essentially run by the people who live there. And we now have both multi-generational co-housing and we all have, also have elder co-housing. And those communities are run by the people that live there. So the more senior living operators can figure out how to let their residents kind of run the show and make as many decisions as as possible. And that should be most decisions, even financial decisions. I think we're going to, again, be more attractive to baby boomers. Exactly. And the new study uh, that just came out, the 2021 study from Edward Jones and Age Wave, says that that the amazing impact that could happen when residents start giving back but that they need guidance, that they, they don't really know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably true. They, it's, this is a, a new business 
phenomenon for them too. Absolutely. Well, you talk about, and you were going to add something? Uh, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> the, you talk a lot about the, the active adult communities, the 55 plus communities, but it seems like a lot of those are um, are very lean when it comes to services, whether it's food and beverage or healthcare or um, transportation or any of those. Uh, and those are the types of services that you are seeing adult children providing that a lot of these solo agers won't have that opportunity. Um, so how do you see the communities filling in the gaps for these types of services? Yeah, that's another key question, Nancy. Um, I think this is going to be a critical factor for solo agers uh, in where they choose to live. Uh, thinking about how much families do for their aging, the members of their aging tribe. Um, in fact, I have a 98-year-old cousin who's been in an assisted living community for 12 years, uh, but her daughter, her adult daughter, still pays the bills, manages her finances, picks up her medications, buys her new clothes when she needs them, and visits her several times a week. So who will do that for the 30-plus percent of the boomers who have no family support? Um, if senior living operators aren't prepared to fill that gap, then that's going to be a problem. And I, I, again, I'm not sure how that gap gets filled, but I think it's going to take some partnering with, with service providers. Um, I think it's going to be bringing more service providers into the mix so that special uh, specialty providers can can be employed in serving this population that doesn't have the family support. Yeah, and I think the gig economy will contribute a lot to that, like a, a Papa and, and some of the other technologies, yes. right? Yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So as you look around and you're active in, uh, with Nexus Insights as a fellow and um, constantly doing research, what gets you most excited these days? Well, two things. Um, first of all, the opportunity to talk to groups of solo agers and help them think more clearly about their future and how they're going to manage their later years. I find uh, the difference in the in the about eight years that I've been focusing on solo agers, I've seen a, a huge difference in the willingness of people to listen. Uh, to ideas, to talk about their own aging, and I'm I'm energized by that. Uh, it's exciting to see people at least taking more control of their of their later lives. Um, I have jokes sometimes when people ask me, "Well, what's your what's your thing these days? What are you trying to do?" And I say, "You know, I." I'm most of all, I'm trying to get baby boomers to take their heads out of the sand and realize <laughs> that and realize that they're going to get older. And this is not Peter Pan. So uh, so the opportunity to talk to people and help them kind of think more clearly about what they're going to be doing later in life is is one. And then the other is the opportunity to help shape the future of senior living so that it's more attractive to boomers in general and solo agers in particular. Well, th those are great uh, things to be excited about. You are doing so much for people like me that are divorced and I've got some family, but I certainly don't expect them to take care of me. Um, so uh, I really appreciate you being here with us today, Sarah. Well, thank you, Nancy. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast. 